inspired by the Canadian Federation of the Blind. Outlook, a show about accessibility, advocacy, and equality. I'm Brian. And I'm Carrie. Outlook. Radio Western. Good morning. Welcome to Outlook. I'm Brian, and I've got Carrie here yet again. Not really there. Exactly. Not not here uh, with me physically, but in, in <laughs> I'm spirit. I'm not there, but I'm here. Yeah, she's still here. I'm somewhere, somewhere. anyway. And uh, <laughs> it's officially summer now, so welcome to a new season. Oh, yeah. yeah, summer solstice. Solstice yesterday. Yeah, it's the beginning of the uh, Outlook summer season. We are, we're recording this a couple days in advance. I think this is, isn't this the first day of summer on the um, June twentieth. I think that's what I that's what I read. Uh, is it different than summer solstice? Because that's tomorrow. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. know. Everyone's like going to be confused because they're listening to this on on Monday, which is the twenty second. Yeah. But actually, anyway, yeah, I don't know. We're going to catch up. This is. <laughs> Yes, thank you for tuning in on this Monday. Um, you're listening to 94.9 CHRW Radio Western, and we are going to catch up, and then we're going to talk about something I've been up to lately. A lot to talk about. Which is the same as catching um, up. Well, kind of. Not really. What have you been up to? Yeah, what you've been up to lately is the same as catching up. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Um, what I can tell you what I've been up to. I just finished watching down, uh, Downton Abbey, um, Breaking Bad. Yeah, you were talking about and that the a reason, lot. When I yeah, the reason why I bring that up specifically here is that um, the reason why I'm watching it now and not six, seven, eight years ago. Um, well, part of it's this rebel in me that doesn't like to watch something just because it's popular and everyone else is watching it. But that's not totally true. Um, I watched it with somebody who wasn't actually describing it and I couldn't keep up so I didn't continue it. So finally um Netflix has it with audio description and they're getting more and more shows with that which is great. Uh, I watched the whole series plus the little movie they made afterward uh all with audio description and you said you didn't need to when you watched it at the time, right? Yeah, I watched it back in 2014 or something and um I didn't have audio description then. I don't I don't even know if it was on Netflix at that point. Um but anyway, I I didn't have audio description and Overall, that show, some of it has quite a bit of dialogue, but there is a Wikia page, which is a very in-depth, um, it's pretty much like a separate Wikipedia specifically for a certain topic or show or whatever it may be. In this case, Breaking Bad, and uh, each episode was described like very, very detailed, everything that happened. So I would watch an episode. If I got if I ever got confused in the middle, I'd stop and I'd read a bit. But if not, I'd, I'd finish the episode and then I'd read the uh, Wikia article just to catch up on anything I might have missed and that actually worked really well for me when I did it but um it is nice now that they also have audio description um because it gives you things even the synop even the synopsis that I read were super detailed but probably would have sometimes the way they describe things are more are detailed in a certain way that might not be quite the same so um it's pretty cool that you we are able to find it descriptive and uh as a writer, I'm just I'm very interested in audio description and the scripts that are written and 
Yeah, because as we've talked about on the show before, I mean, it's different depending on what the voice is like, how the description's written. Some are better than others, obviously, and it's there's an, definitely an art to it. And as we've also mentioned before on the show, I think our um, older brother used to describe movies to us growing up quite a bit, and he was really good at it. And some people are just better than others, so I don't know who writes the scripts and uh, how that how the whole process works, but um, it's definitely well, a skill. I'd, um, I'd like, yeah, I'd like to look more into it and, and eventually have somebody on the show here who can talk to us about it, who knows more about it than you and I. Yeah, it'd be interesting um, some interesting. someday to get someone on, either who writes the the, the script for the. Dis- description or actually a person who describes movies because you know if you're if it's not written by a blind person then the description the language the person will read on the show might not be it just you want to get blind people's opinions what 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 needs to be described in a scene what's the best way to describe things yeah because there's so much you could say but you don't have time to say it all yeah well the easy example that I would have given in the past is sometimes you'll hear a door shut and they'll be, and they'll just be like, they shut the door or they'll say something that's obvious that you could already yeah. hear. Um, yeah. I don't, something that's audibly obvious. Yeah. So sometimes it but is I guess, redundant. You know, like we that, can't, but. Yeah. We can't cover what everybody might not like. Some blind listeners may be listening and not realize something's a door depending on how it sounds, but you know, you can't cover that anyway. Um, so that's what I was doing. I, I'm not doing that now. Yeah, you I get pretty. Uh, I binged it. Seems like when you get into shows, you binge them quite a bit. And I've done. I do that yeah. to some degree. I did that with Breaking Bad to a little bit, but not quite like you. I think it probably took me at least a month or two. I was also going to. Um, it was right when I started Fanshawe my first year, so it was probably it was a new experience uh, for me at the time. So I was doing other things too, but I also <laughs> watched Breaking Bad to to. Uh, put off doing work which isn't good advice but mm. everyone does that sometimes procrastination tool yeah i'm sure you're not the only student who did that <laughs> yeah probably not but um yeah. so that's one thing the other thing i was doing quickly i'll mention i'll talk about it more in, in weeks to come but i've uh, we've started work on the the first issue of 2020 um for the blind canadian magazine which is one i'm assistant editor on um and I think it's a very important publication and it's a great national magazine. Yeah. It's one of those ones that nobody, not enough people know about. You can find past all the past issues at cfb.ca. And uh, there are, I think this time there's, they're doing a few, some limited copies just to have a few hard copies. But in this day and age, it's a tough time too, for that type of stuff. Cause I don't know how common hard copy magazines in the past, they'd have them in doctor's offices. And now it's not quite the same, but. Not quite. We're going to have to switch it up for the the pandemic times. So it's different in 2020. So we're just figuring it out. So that's another thing I've been up to. What have you been up to? Yeah. So I guess for me, still, the main thing has been been the radio shows doing from home, my music show. Uh, I spend a lot of time looking up new music and supporting releases from this year. It's been kind of a weird time for music, too, with the, the pandemic and certain bands not feeling comfortable releasing music around this time because they don't want to bring attention to to their stuff their music when there's bigger issues going on in the world in some degree but at the same time we also need music because it brings people together and makes people happy so it's sort of a balance and a lot of bands have been on their band camp pages and stuff raising money for black lives matter and all sorts of different causes so at mm-hmm. least it's still being directed to the current situation going on um but aside from the the shows just kind of been 
taking it easy, still been staying in for the most part, trying to stay safe as former or listeners of the show would know Carrie and I both have had kidney transplants, so we're maybe at a bit more of a risk, and it's just, everything is still, it's in a weird position where things are starting to open up, but there's still obviously no vaccine or anything, so still important to be careful, um, but I did end up um, getting out three days in a row, which I don't think I've done since March. <laughs> um, I went back to Woodstock, where Carrie's from, to visit for a couple days with family, and Our small bubble circle of yeah, pretty much just been seeing. hanging, meet, seeing family. That's it, pretty much it. But did that for a couple days this past week, and then came back, and I actually had a dentist appointment. I guess I didn't quite realize, but as of last couple weeks, um, they are accepting just regular hygiene appointments at the dentist. So I went there. It was kind of nice. It was a nice walk to get there, and um, they were very careful there they checked my temperature rate when I came in and gave me a mask even though it had to come off when they actually looked into my mouth obviously but um so yeah I know that's very exciting but um, so dentist is dentist is obviously one of the ones that you can't so you and I have um kidney transplant um annual appointments coming up and those are being done on the phone right now and the same with the doctor appointment I had a lot of doctor's appointments are like that now um and one thing I was going to quick mention when we when I was in Woodstock visiting Carrie, we had we we have our as she said our annual kidney checkup to make sure everything's healthy and they check all the blood levels. We had to uh, give blood work. Normally we give it the day of when we're in the hospital and we see a doctor, but because of the pandemic, they wanted us to get blood outside of the hospital. All hospitals aren't very you know, if you can avoid going to the hospital, it's probably the best um, during mm-hmm. all this time and they don't really want people there if they don't have to be. So we had to get blood done in a lab in, in uh, well, any lab, but we chose one in Woodstock, so Carrie and I could both go together. Um, and that was maybe an experience we were going to talk a few minutes about. Um, but we got our blood taken. Nice and, fun sibling outing. Yeah. <laughs> I know most siblings go, go to, out together to um, <laughs> do blood work. but <laughs> um, So, yeah, we did that, and uh, we do have our actual day to see the doctors this Tuesday. So we'll be getting a call from the doctor, which is just the way things are now and has its pros and cons, I guess. But um, I don't know if we want to talk a little bit about going to give blood. Just, just I haven't yeah. really, as I said, I haven't really been out much at all in the last over three months now. And so it was kind of weird going in somewhere and, and, uh, and doing that. Yeah, I mean, so we got there and we were standing in line out in the parking lot or outside, um, and the the man was taking um, our information at a desk, a table situated outside. Um, and it is hard, like we pointed out before, and we can talk about it again, I'm sure. When you're blind, it's hard to know how much space is between you and other people. It's hard to know about social distancing. Yeah, line, um, lines... If you have a guide dog. Lines in general... The dog doesn't know. Are... are difficult because yeah they're they're fine people moving and they always turn in different ways and everything but at least for me when there's a regular line generally the person in front of me is close enough that i can sense i can either hear Mm -hmm. them or i can see a tiny bit so maybe i can see the shadow i can just see light and dark and a little bit of shadow somehow i can i can normally tell but now where things have to be spaced out it is really hard and then you also don't know how close you are to someone sometimes and then you might accidentally 
touch someone or something and not mean to. And um, it's just, it is kind of tricky. It's kind of hard to social distance, which not that I would anyway, but it's another reason why I'm not, I also wouldn't rush to go in to any stores or going out and waiting in a line up to get into a restaurant. For me, it's, I can just cook or get takeout at home. So yeah. still, not, I'm not rushing to, to go anywhere. I'm trying to stay safe, but over. Patios are obviously nice in the summer, but. Giving the, giving the blood work wasn't too bad. We were outside and, um, you know, we were a little worried at first. Oh, maybe being so spread out, they won't notice us or this or that. But it all it all worked out quite well, I think. Well, that guy knows me there now. Oh, yeah, you've been there a few times. I'd, I don't generally go there since I live in London, but we just figured since we both had okay. to give blood that we would do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than that, um, I think... One other thing I wanted to quick mention, which you don't even know, is definitely happening, and Ooh. it kind of, it kind of Ooh. came last minute. But I will be—I was actually asked, um, sort of interesting history how I got there, but um, by the music technology class at W. Ross, which is the school for for the blind in Brantford here in Ontario. Um, right. Music technology class there. I guess there's three people in the class. They have generally smaller classes at at that school, um, especially something as um, specialized as music technology. But anyhow, mm. the teacher asked if I would speak about my experiences going to Fanshawe and st- st- studying music industry arts and just my experiences overall and what I'm up to now. And so I'll be talking. Yeah, about I heard you've been asked. I'll be talking about these shows. It kind of took me a while to get back back to her. And it's been a, sort of a slow progression to do this. But she does she did say I could speak on Monday at 1230. Mm. So normally I would be going mm. into the school and, and a lot of ways I would prefer that, but yeah, you know, we got to be nice. We got to adjust to the times and it's still better than not going at all. I, I wasn't even sure if it was going to happen this year, but so I would be doing it over zoom and it'll just be an interesting experience to explain to some other blind uh, people younger still like at college age yeah, young people. in my 30s just just the experiences and me going a little later in life change things and mm-hmm. it'll be an interesting experience and I look forward to talking about it and how it goes on a future outlook yeah cool all right, all right. so I think we're pretty much caught <laughs> up caught up and we catch up in ways that are related to accessibility, advocacy, or equality, which uh, um, stuff going on in the news right now around the world, it has to do with all of those things. So actually, one of the things I'm doing is, one of the things I did last night was I spoke to um, some women in a, in a female solo travel group on Facebook, uh, my first time on Facebook Live, um, I spoke with the woman who runs the group. I met her five years ago while I found her online when I was madly researching travel blogs. I wanted to start one and I was trying to study them. So I found her blog then. It's called Mapping Megan. She's an Australian, um, married to an American. that They met traveling. Anyway, they asked her and this other lady who run the group asked me if I would talk about, you know, what I get out of travel when I can't see and some of the things I, I do, tips I have and how I travel and people were interested there were a few questions it was interesting so that was fun last night um but I my internet did kind of make it sound kind of bad at one point hopefully it turned out well 
Um, so that's one thing. But the other thing I've been doing since May was uh, is this. Um, it's called Crip Camp Virtual, and it's based on the film that we did an episode on just recently on Outlook here about um, the documentary. It's on Netflix. Check it out if you haven't heard of it or seen it. Oh yeah, and it's um, like it's the quick mention too that all of our. Episodes are finally up to date. I finally got things together. So if you go to soundcloud.com slash Outlook on Radio Western, you can find all of our episodes, including the Crip Camp, one we did a few weeks ago. Yeah, so basically this documentary spurred on a bunch of people to want to start this summer camp this, this year. And of course, it's virtual because it, that's, it can include more people plus the COVID stuff. So it's a virtual camp experience, which is fine for me. Um, it, it just requires uh, like basically two hours every Sunday. Um, they, have a, they have talks. We all go on Zoom, uh, and they have talks from different, different ex- uh, disability uh, advocates and activists who you know, are doing the work and out there, and um, each, each week is a different theme. So it, it runs all the way th- to the end of August. So that's... That's interesting because I'm always trying to learn how to become a better advocate and activist. Uh, and everybody all around us right now who's speaking up, um, inspiration for me to follow their lead. So I think I was actually um, visiting you when the first week of this, when this yeah, started. Yeah. And the first the first one I don't rem- really remember that well, but it was more of an introduction. Um, so I don't know if yeah. you want to go go through what you've done so far. Um, I have a list of the different topics yeah. here that were discussed. Yeah, so we, first of all, I should say that we, we, we got throw, thrown off by a week uh, because we missed one week in May uh, after the death of a disability activist who I honestly hadn't heard of her, um, but that's not saying much. Um, she meant something, obviously, to a lot of people who are, who are running this Crip Camp virtual, who are involved, and so they took off a week in her honor, in her memory. Um, so she was she, she was involved she was involved in this actual this virtual camp as well in the organize, organizing or something or. Um, I don't know if she was, but I think she was just. I thought I read something. I think I read something in her her obituary here about her being involved somehow in Crip. Oh, camp. she might have been. Maybe she was involved in the uh, coming up with the idea, or or in setting it up. But yeah, her um, her name was I'm not sure Stacy Park Milburn, and uh, yeah, she she passed away unfortunately on May the nineteenth, which was actually her birthday as well. So that's yeah, pretty that's pretty sad. Um, but yeah, the first week that you were there for was sort of an introduction and one of the guest speakers was um, a woman named Havin Jerma or um, and she is a disability activist but she's a deafblind uh, lawyer graduated uh, Harvard Law and she was interesting to hear speak because she's got this very sweet sounding voice um, <laughs> and I'm reading her uh, memoir at the moment uh, but um, she was speaking um, and also a woman who's in the technology field and then a, a, a comedian and they all had different disabilities um, but they spoke about what disability activism is and how they view it and how they acted out in their own lives so that was you know an interesting first first week 
And uh, then I think the next week we took off. And then since then, we've had a few weeks that sort of all of this stuff going on in the news right now um, happening at the same time. They were already they already had plans in certain weeks to address certain topics that are in the news. But I think this sort of just spurred them on to sort of talk about them in a different way and feel free to switch up the weeks if they needed to. Um, it's really interesting. They're very um, inclusive, obviously. Uh, it's on Skype. Or, I mean, it's on um, Zoom, but they have closed captioning for deaf um, attendees. And they have a lot of audio description and a lot of, like, image description and things for blind attendees. Um, every time we start, the woman who's running it, I guess she's the lead counselor, whatever you want to call her, um, she describes what she's wearing and what she looks like for everybody. Um, because, you know, I, oh, yeah, I, I can't that. see what people look like. And it's like, does it? Some people are like, well, what does it really matter? Do you need to know? But in this sort of situation, it's nice that they, you know, I can't just join the call and look at the person on the screen and, and realize who I'm hearing. So, and it's funny. She she's always wearing an like a, um, she's always wearing a like a I guess a gold whistle, or is it a silver whistle? She's a camp counselor, right? So she needs a whistle, <laughs> but she never uses it on on Zoom. And all the other presenters, they always describe themselves before they start their presentations. You'll, you know, like one of them will say, I'm an African-American woman. Uh, I'm wearing a, um, a white wrap around my head. I have flowing um, dark hair. Uh, you know, the one guy said I, he's dressed all in purple. Um, very descriptive. So that's very, very helpful. Now, if you're blind like me, you don't even know what purple is. <laughs> well, yes, you do because you used to be able he, to see a bit more. And... Right. Um, so that's sort of the formatting. I always have I use my iPhone usually to, to sign in, and I always have to turn off my voiceover, which is the built-in screen reader, uh, because there's always stuff coming in. Plus, in this situation, the closed captioning is being read, so I turn it on. I can hear and text what my counselor's saying. I think there's probably a way um, to shut that off. You think? Maybe. Yeah. Other than turning over, off voiceover. Yeah, I'm sure, you, like, because not everyone needs closed captioning, so they can probably just shut it off. Well, there's a way, because there's also things, like, there's, like, a chat room and a question and answer section. Like, there's places that you might want to write something. Mm -hmm. So, for blind people, if they have to turn off their voiceover because there's just talk, 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 and things coming up on the screen that are being read you can't ever get anything done, then it's kind of a pain. But but that's also the benefit of a Braille display because you can not have the voice talking, but right. you can still read what it's what it's saying. Right. So, um, like I said, stuff in the news happened around the same time. So uh, they're talking about... They're talking about... Well, first of all, they talk about disability ancestry, which is kind of ancestorship, I guess they call it. Which is good. It's knowing our history, right? It's the same thing that any group of people might want to know, or any family or any person. What, what's your history and um, who came before you and how they did what they did and how they got through things. Um, but I wanted to address Crip Camp at the same time, explain Crip Camp and my experience with it at the same time, sort of talking about what's going on in the news right now. Because to me, it's all connected. And it's all basically the themes of this show. Um, and 
so I don't know. I know you're less of a news person than me. We've established that. But uh, I'm sure you know stuff, some of what's going on in the world. Yeah, I mean, I, I do keep up on news. I don't have constant updates like Carrie does maybe, mm. but I I still, <laughs> I generally get my news from, from Facebook for the most part. I follow, you know, the local London stuff, C, C, um, CTV London, CBC, uh, AM 980, whatever else. So mm-hmm. I do follow the stuff on Facebook, but I don't, I don't know, I try not, I don't spend too much time, but it's good to be aware of what's going on obviously in the world, so. Right. So with the death of George Floyd um, by basically a public lynching on caught on camera, um, now there have been protests not just in cities all over the U.S., but here in Canada and uh, in Europe and everywhere. Um, basically slavery and Injustice for black people has been going on in the U.S. for, I think they say, 401 years. So maybe now they've finally had enough. And the question then becomes, when does any minority get to that point where they've had enough? And it doesn't just happen all at once, but something else happened here that's made it. And it sort of intertwines with the whole cops thing. And I know a lot of people have cops in their families. A lot of people are cops and they... You know, not everybody who's a cop is a bad person, obviously. But this situation is something you can't really look away from. Uh, the statistic I heard was that up to 50% of, of people who are killed by police, African Americans in the U.S. and wherever, Indigenous people here in Canada, uh, about half of them have some sort of disability. And that's the thing. Everybody has to realize that disability is very common. Blindness, maybe we feel like we're, you know... Very, well, very again, it's like any, it's like a lot of things where there's so many different types of disabilities that you can group them all together. And that is a, that is a large portion. But then when you start mm-hmm. breaking them even up into yes. different categories, then it gets even smaller. But we are coming up here on our halfway point. So, uh, yeah, let's listen to a couple promos and we'll be right back with more Outlook. The revolution must include spaces for breathing. How are you tending your grief? That whale, the one coiled in your gut, the tip of it stuck in your throat. You fear it's too wild, too unrestrained, that if you were to let it free, the force of it might just break you in two. It is. It will. It must. It is the sound of stars, the sound of black holes and supernova, the sound of the sun burning to its death, giving us life. It is the sound of your liberation. It is the key to your wildness and your power. Your restraint is the lock put there by those who seek to keep us quiet, passive. Let grief break you. Let our whales rise in unison, mourning all that we have lost, all that has been taken from us. And let us build a better world with the pieces serenaded by rediscovered notes so sweet. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Outlook here on Radio Western. And today we're talking about the Crip Camp virtual seminar that Carrie's been involved with. I guess that's what you would call it. And you brought us back in with a, a nice quote there, if you want to maybe talk briefly about what that who that was from and where you got yeah. that. Yeah. I found I just found it on Facebook. Um and I believe the writer I think it might be one of those unknown quotes. I want to attribute it to the right person, but I don't think it's said. Um, so it might be like they say sometimes unknown. Um, but there's there is an uh, there was an ID that described the image that went went along with it, which is again one of the things accessibility we like to see uh, on Facebook and pla- other places, and it's not always uh, there. But it says um, above text is on a starry background. Um, mountains silhouetted at the bottom so it's it's nice that they do that but i just thought quote was very sort of powerful to speak to this moment for african americans right now who are fighting um and here in canada like i said um canada is thought of as oh we're not as racist as the u.s but you know we, we know that's not true um but i i'm talking about this because it relates because it's all one thing like i said a lot of the people who are killed by cops uh, have a disability of some sort. There's mental illness that's not handled right. There's addiction issues, whatever it is. Um, but, you know, there are, there's disability, there's race, there's class, there's religion, there's sexual orientation and gender. There's all these different things. And what, what it's called when, when, say, I'm a woman with a disability or uh, somebody is... An African American, obviously, with a disability, it's called um, intersectionality. So these multiple things intersect. Yeah, and it's one of those things that none of these things are easy, and they all have difficulties. But when you, a lot of people, a lot of times, they're combined with, like you said, these classes and um, cultures, and then the disability on top of that. So it just Mm -hmm. makes things even even harder in, in this crazy world. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot. It is. and But that's why we have to look to each other and realize, you know, there's often squabbling in in the groups. And, you know, the famous women's marches they've had the last few years, um, they've been accused of not being very uh, accepting and accommodating and accessible to people, pe- women with disabilities, to, um, you know, pe- women of color. Um, and then there's, you know, talk that, you know, the LGBTQ groups don't take into consideration disability. I don't know. It's just, I think we need to all come together and realize we're stronger together than squabble like, like often happens, but you know, that's how it works sometimes. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's all interconnected. So I wanted to talk about it. And basically address it, but I think it's something we 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 it's at the heart of what this show is in my in my mind. But of course, you and I are both white and living in Canada, so we're in a different situation. And I just thought we should address the fact that, well, growing up, we didn't know people from other cultures and things. Um, and I think that's and there's a term for that, and that's. Rel- that was relatively common, and it's it's like that in a lot of areas still. 
but us growing up in mm-hmm. southwestern Ontario isn't isn't the most multicultural area. Um, no. And after after growing up in in the country in s- small small areas, I did move to, to Toronto for five years. So there is totally different where there is a lot more culture in, in Toronto, and um, so that was right. that was a, that was a good experience for me. But kind of like we we talked about where or where, where I guess how I feel is partly it's not really the reason but not being able to see in a way makes it even less of a thing like I've it's it also just ties into a lot of other things and how we were raised and family and all this stuff because a lot of this stuff is just in someone's in cycles and it's just ingrained in, in humans generally this stuff from previous people but um it's just the whole not being able to see you know the color of someone's skin or just seeing someone different i mean you can still not being able to see you can still hear when someone talks if they have an accent or they they from a different culture you can still tell but for some reason i think that not being able to see makes it even less of something that people you think about like there would be certain people i would someone you know i'd eventually find out they were african american or something and i, I some like you know i don't know, always even know because i can't see them and i don't think about that kind of stuff and yeah, I mean, that whole the whole question of the favorite line that a lot of people like to say is, oh, I don't see color. And of course, it takes on a whole new meaning when you or I say it because we're blind. But it goes, it's, there's more to it than that, obviously, right? Like you said, you can tell in other ways sometimes, but sometimes you can't. So sometimes you meet somebody like I have a friend that I met online. Uh, she, has a tra- uh, she has a blog called Bold Blind Beauty. I may, I've talked about it before. I've had her on the show or interview with her anyway. Um, I didn't realize she was African-American for the first several years. And I just knew her online, but yet I didn't read anything on her blog that I guess gave me that clue and I couldn't see her photos. Um, and, 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 and that's the difference is, is, yeah, the fact that if some, someone's sighted, even if, they have, even if they have no, if they're not racist or anything, they right away when they see someone, they do see the, the, the color of the person's skin. And so even if they don't intend to, they are, they, it does come into their mind and their awareness. Whereas for us, it doesn't, it's not always the case. So it's just an interesting perspective, I think. Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't like to quote around that line. Well, I don't see color. And, Haha, I don't see it because I'm blind because it's more complex than that. But yeah, but yes, growing up where we did, we had great parents who raised us, um, you know, to have empathy and and having disabilities and and our siblings having siblings with disabilities that definitely helps but um i just wanted to get our brother's opinion because he grew up in the same area as we did obviously and going to the same schools uh and he got to see what it was like in a way that you or i might have missed so i just thought we would get his thoughts on it just so we can see where we came from i think mom and dad did a pretty good job with us growing up um Mm-hmm. Now, saying that, we, we grew up in an area that was almost exclusively Caucasian, so it's, you know, we didn't, um, most of our exposure from, of uh, people of different minorities and backgrounds came from television. Um, I mean, in school, I think... I think all through public school it was mainly just 
one family of um, that were East Indian or that were Indian, I guess. Um, I mean, we we had more exposure to people that were differently abled, um, you know, physically challenged and mentally challenged. Um, and then high school, high school there was, you know, just a handful of, of, uh, like I think there was a, a Jamaican family and an African American family and, you know, there were a couple of Asian families and, and Indian families, but, but it was, you know, 98% white people at our high school as well, so... Uh, and I think there, there was, there was, there were certain groups in our school that had racist tendencies. But you know, I, I learned early on to not to associate with those people, and you know. Everybody that I was with was were accepting, and you know, were now nowadays, you know, I guess they they talk about you need to to take action and do something to can't just sit by and and just keep away from the problem, but more you know, call it out, but, uh, yeah. So that was our brother, Paul. Thanks for sending us that clip. I know he's probably a little shy being on the radio and stuff like that is, it could be a little intimidating, but he did a great job and made some really good points there. Just nice to have a, another perspective growing up with us, but someone who could see, because that always, that also changes the perspective a little bit. Yeah. You know, he noticed things that you or I might not have noticed. Really, I would just say I grew up not really thinking of race because I, I because it wasn't like he said it was ninety eight percent. And you white can even in tell our, in our school. You can even tell with him, like maybe part of it was being a little bit nervous. But even when he was trying to say, like, oh, we had one uh, Indian family and this and that, it's like he almost had to kind of think too. So it's obviously not. You can tell it's not yeah. something that's right in the front of all of our minds. Like, oh, yeah, we went to school with this one family that was different and all this kind of stuff. Like, it didn't, it still didn't really have enough, like, it wasn't something that was in our mindset as a family, I don't think, overall. But, like we said, someone being able to see, you can still notice, you would maybe gen- notice it a little bit more. So the term I keep using for us that a lot of people use is, oh, well, we were really sheltered, right? But that's not, that word is a bit misleading because is. Are we sheltered? That sort of makes it sound all cute and sweet and innocent and pure. And it was. When you're kids, that's what you should be. But um, if, you know, luckily, like I said, we had great parents and we had our own disabilities to draw on that empathy. Uh, Plus, as we got older, we branched out. You moved to Toronto. We traveled. um, We saw the world broadened our horizons met new people and yeah but it's like changed so it's a little different in the sense that in a a way we were sheltered or at least just weren't exposed to a lot of different races growing up um i mean through tv like like our brother had mentioned there um yeah it's not like we still weren't aware of it but that's not quite the same 
Um, although it Plus is TV still something, and but 90s. even then it wasn't. It's kind of like how he pointed out that back then this stuff was happening, but compared to today, it just wasn't talked about so much. Um, it was kind of just ignored in a way, which sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, we don't. This isn't how we think, so we're just going to ignore it. But it's times have changed, and um, it's not quite like that anymore. But no, and but really, like I said, we hadn't met many people from other places. Just like some people haven't met someone with a disability or somebody who's blind, right? So you are sheltered from that and that knowledge, and you're not. It's not firsthand. You're not living it, so you don't have to think about it every day. You and I have, you know, like you've said before, you've been born, you were born blind all your life. You haven't seen, whereas I've seen a bit more. Um, but we have to deal with that in one way or another every day. You can't leave the skin you're in and the situation you're in, just like people of color can't leave that skin they're in and get away from judgments and discriminations and whatever, microaggression, all these things that were existing all this time. But this, there's this term that I saw on um, uh, Handmaid's Tale, actually. It was like making things better, but better never seems to in, uh, include everyone, right? Like if you're making something better for people, chances are it's not going to be better for another group of people. It's hard to like, it's like with politics or all those things. It's hard to make everybody happy, right? But um I just want to declare on the show today that we are allies of everybody and accepting of everybody. And we wanted to be honest about it, or I did, about how we grew up and even the situation that we're in now. Like you say often, you want to interview people on this show more from Ontario sometimes, but we don't always have a person ready and waiting. But I do want to keep our show open and, and welcoming to anybody who, in the future who wants to come on and speak and share out their outlook on life. Well, yeah, the show, um, our show specifically I, isn't, isn't just directed to one area. Like the whole point of the show is to be inclusive and no matter what country you're from or where, whatever, we w- would still welcome you on our show, but it is also nice to have the local, local tie. And especially if we found, find people from Ontario that are of different cultures and races, it's, it's kind of, it would be interesting to have on because, like we said, growing up in our sort of smaller bubble of the area that we grew up in, we weren't really around that kind of stuff. And at least we were the type who would go travel and stuff. Whereas there are a lot of people in the world um, that live in a certain area and never leave that small area. And those are those tend to be the people that aren't as open-minded sometimes, I think, because they're just not exposed. So when they are exposed, it seems different. It's It all comes down to the same thing, like you said, how it ties in with disabilities and and certain things with um people being institution institutionalized in the past and at that point they're separated so that when they are seen then it looks it seems odd or different to someone whereas for us growing up for me growing up in a, a regular elementary school with all the sighted sighted kids it it sort of normalized things i think to a lot of my classmates too that they wouldn't had have had that they wouldn't have been exposed to that if I wasn't in the class. So, yeah. Yeah. And, um, it's just, it's all one. And I just, uh, that quote I read earlier on and having uh, our brother's perspective there, um, of course, like he said in that, in that clip, uh, what we got growing up was, was representation from 
you know, people of color on TV, which that's not always the best place to be no, getting No, it's it, still best, obviously, to get something and have the thing in real life. When it's on TV, it still isn't quite real to someone, and um, yeah. they could still be different in, in reality. So there were multiple speakers at this Crip Camp virtual who um Yeah, let's get back how this how that ties into the virtual Crip Camp that you've been involved with. So this video of George Floyd's murder, uh, it's upsetting for anybody to see, but we, we don't want to turn our, away from it. We want it out there. Um, that's how we know it happened, and there's less questioning of what happened that night because it's on, on video for everyone to see. But So it's, uh, as upsetting it is for, well, me to see or anybody else, it's, it's considered traumatizing for people of color when they see it, right? Yeah, you can imagine that. Yeah, I mean, it's traumatizing enough. We yeah. can't. I can't even see it, and I've only. I only heard a little bit of it. I didn't actually yeah. sit through the whole thing. But even just being able to hear a little bit of it, it's it's traumatizing. And putting on top of that, being able to see it, and then on top of that, being uh, African American, where you really could relate more so than well, yeah. than someone like I mean, like me with white privilege could. So. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but I I hear the voice in the video uh, as he's slipping away. And I, you know, I think of you or I think of Paul, who was in that clip earlier. You know, if I was worried every time my brothers went out that they'd be stopped on the street by cops and, you know, it could escalate and all those things. It's, it's, so it's kind of like what my friend Kara is doing. Um, She's an African-American woman who's now living in Mexico. Um, She is making a, documentary about her fear of water and she believes that there's trauma in that and it's based in the fact that her ancestors were brought over in these slave ships and so of course you might have a fear of water in that case right and she just believes these are the kind of things that get passed down generation to generation if if they're not talked about if they're not resolved if they're not handled you know, handled or society won't let you talk about whatever the reason, then it just, it's, it's a trauma that just gets perpetuated. It's like stigma. These are the kind of things that just, they seem to just be perpetuated year after year. Um, but yeah, so it's important that we have these videos and then it comes off obviously down to that whole thing about uh, politically correct. Well, we wish we didn't have to have these videos, but we do. Yes. But you know, if you saw a video of, a blind person being killed like that. It would be equally as traumatizing, I figure. I don't know. I haven't seen it, thankfully. But um, it's just to show how this all goes back to the same thing. It's all related. Um, but the, the people who have spoken at Crip Camp Virtual so far, they've given their perspectives on grief uh, and also on how difficult it is, like we've said, to have multiple intersectionalities to be African-American and disabled, you know, is extra tricky. Um, And that's just not something we have to deal with. But, um, yeah, so they've talked about grief. And uh, it's funny, one of them was telling us, so a few of them are therapists and things, and they were telling us of, like, strategies to cope with your grief or, you know, your trauma or your shame or whatever it is. And there's, there's, all, there's a lot of shame in people with disabilities 
from outside sources, from family, you know, growing up and the messages you might have gotten and in in your own mind. And we call that internal ableism. It's it's internalized in ourselves, even when we don't realize it. Uh, But they were talking and one of them was trying to describe this thing that she uses as a therapist to help people cope with their emotions. And it's kind of like a color wheel, which you can't see color wheel uh, and you can't see color as you pointed out earlier. But when I, I was younger, uh, brother Paul there from the clip, he is an artist and he made, he made this thing called a, a, a color wheel, which is a paint thing. It's basically the primary colors are in the middle of the, pa- the page. And as you branch out, you go to secondary colors and so on and so on. He made me this thing. And at the time I could see, and it was bright colors and it was, it was something that Paul made his art. And I, I like to keep it. So I had it on the wall all in my bedroom for a long time. So this thing that these counselors use is similar. And I'm not going to describe it all because, again, I can't even see it now, so it's really hard for me to even picture it. So I'm sure it would be extra hard for you too. Um, but they did their best on, the, on, um, on Zoom to describe it for people who are blind, right? So it's basically the same kind of color wheel. So in the center, there's, there's dark red, green, yellow, orange and as the colors branch out in the circle to the outer edges they become lighter more like pastel which is a term for lighter colors um and so it the the emotion that's red would be anger but what other emotions stem from anger what other ones go along with anger often uh, right like frustration fear all these things so each color as it branches out in this wheel color wheel has a different sort of connected emotion attached to it. And then one of them is um, happiness and the color that branches out from that is joy and all these different things, acceptance. And so, you know, they have stuff like that. And as you said, there are so many kinds of disabilities. So so many are represented for this crip camp. So many people in attendance. I'm not sure the the amount of people they have on those Zoom calls, but um, there's also a a Facebook group that I'm in and just some interesting conversations there. Uh, But... Yeah, so it's hard to describe things like a color wheel like that for people who can't see it. Yeah, some some methods might not work as well for certain disabilities as others, and that's all about accommodation and figuring out what works for who. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So that's one of the things they did. Uh, and um, they end every session with a song from, uh, his name is Dennis Phillips, and uh, he is one of the remaining... So a lot of the um, disabled activists in the Crip Camp documentary on Netflix, uh, a surprising number of them in my mind when I saw the end of the documentary, are, are no longer with us. And um, Dennis is one of the ones who still is. And so they got him to appear on every Crip Camp. I'm not sure if he's there for the whole session each time. Maybe He probably is. I don't know. Or maybe he pops in. He pops in at the end every session and he sings a, like a song. So it's just nice to have representation from someone from the original documentary, right? Yeah, it's interesting they can still... It's pretty cool <laughs> that they can still have someone around to be able to join the call that was in the original movement yes. back in the, what was it, 70s, I guess? 70s. So in the documentary, which we talk about on the other episode that we did about it, um, he was Afri- he's an African-American man, and he was, I think, the main... He was really the main blind guy who didn't just attend the camp, but also went on to join some of the others in in very important advocacy activism work uh, throughout the 70s and right. beyond in the U.S. So um, 
yeah, so he's the intersectionality I'm talking about, right? Um, and he comes on at the end and sings it. Like, usually African-American, I would assume they're African-American, uh, old African-American sort of folk songs and gospel, you know, gospel type things, you know. Um, so it's just, it's interesting how they end it every time. Yeah, sounds like a nice way to end it for an episode. Yeah, and he's always very sessions. joyful and 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 glad to be there, and he sort of ends things on a hopeful note, which is nice, I guess. I don't know, but yeah, something a bit more light for the ending. Yeah. So yeah, I got a I got another session coming up tomorrow, uh, and this one's going to be on sex and disability, and we'll talk about that in a future episode, of course. Some people assume people with disabilities never don't even have sex and all these different things. I'm not sure how, what I'll get into next episode about it, but I will. I'll talk about about it in the weeks to come. Obviously, there's a lot more, a lot more camp still ahead of of me this summer, and I'm sure you're now regretting you hadn't signed up. Yeah, I mean it. It, it sounds interesting. It uh, maybe one of these days again, I'll be with you when you're um, having one of your sessions there, and I can yeah. I can listen in. Um. But basically, the last few weeks have just, they've really helped me and opened my eyes. And, you know, it's not anybody's place to educate. It's its tiring to expect African-Americans and, and people of color to have to always constantly be educating uh, the rest of us about what it's like, that lived experience to be in their in their skin. But it's, you know, we can understand that to a degree because we know what it's like here on the show. Yeah, it's um, the same. It's, it's, it's a yeah. similar thing because it's it's educating people when you when you're in the group any sort of group like we are as, as blind people educating which you do have to do but at, at the same time it's like why is it we're all part of society we should all be aware exactly. of things why is it our job to do it but at the same time we're the ones that could speak most accurately about it so we kind of have to to some degree as well so it is a we definitely want to have a voice this is why I, why I wanted to do this show and but my point broader point is that yeah you know there's trauma, there's institutionalization in the past, there's all these really dark things that happen to people of color, that happen to people with disabilities, that happen to people of color with disabilities, uh, and it's all tied in together. And it shouldn't be up to black people to do all this work they need to do. White people need to take just as much responsibility and just be in it the same way and educate ourselves and be willing to listen. And that's what I that's what I hope this, this show can can make clear all right i think that sums it up real well and next week's show we're scheduled to have an interview so something maybe a little less uh deep this show is pretty intense but worth worth talking about of course and well our guest next week is an ally which is what kind of what we're talking about here too so it kind of carries over but yeah i'm looking forward to having her on she's a great ally for us and the cfb and very inspirational in my life the last few years so i'm looking forward to that all right we will see you next monday find us on twitter at outlook cfb and on facebook facebook.com slash outlook on radio western